We are in our second week of our series entitled Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet, and that was someone who would hear God's voice, would hear his words, and then he would go and speak to anyone um, that God had told him to speak to. And so Elijah also was an Israelite. He was a man from the nation called Israel. And we find his word, um, his life, recorded in the book of 1 Kings, and that's in the Old Testament. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you, if you do not have a Bible, we have a table in the back. And I don't even care if you get up right now and you go grab one. I would love for you to grab a Bible. If you don't have one or you can't find yours, or you can download the YouVersion app. And I love this for a, just a few reasons. But one, I can read the Bible anywhere I'm at. But two, there are uh, studies for any phase of life that you are in, any struggle there. And if you're a teen and you're struggling with peer pressure, if you're an adult and you've lost your job, there is a Bible study for you. So download the version app. And I don't even mind if you get out your phones right now and you download it because we're going to be in 1 Kings this morning. And again, I said that 1 Kings is found in the Old Testament. And do you know that's the first portion of the Bible? And the Bible isn't just one book. The Bible is actually 66 books put together, written by different people, but it tells one story. We heard this morning a thread. There's a thread all about Jesus through the whole, even though it's 66 different books. And the Old Testament's the first part of the Bible that chronicles creation and the nation of Israel and all up until Jesus. And then we have the New Testament where we learn about the life, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus and the formation of the early church. So I want to tell you a little bit about this nation, Israel, because it will help us in, have some context to the lesson that we're going to learn today from the life of Elijah. So the nation of Israel was formed from one man. And his name was Abraham. And God said, Abraham, I'm going to take you. I want you to leave everything that you know. And I want you to go to this place that I'm going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you later. Just follow me. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And then I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to bless the entire world through you. Because God had a plan to create this nation that was unlike any other nation. They were be, to be the ones who worshiped the one true God and him only. They were the ones who had the Ten Commandments, the very first being, you shall have no other God before me. They were the ones who God saw God's miracles. They saw God provide for them in mighty ways. And they were to teach their children and their children's children and their children's children's children about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And they were the ones who were to be an example for every other nation around them of the faithfulness and the love and the power and the might of the one true God. So keep that in mind as we go. So that's the nation of Israel. What about us? You see, at Grumlaw, we truly believe that the Bible, even stories written thousands of years ago, have relevance for our life today. And so in this story of Elijah, when God is calling the people of Israel to serve him and serve him only, God asks the same of us today, thousands of years later. He says, you know what? I want all of your heart. I want to be your only God. I want all of you. And Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said that when they asked him, the disciples said, and the people said, what is the most important thing in the entire world? Jesus, what is the most important rule that I'm supposed to follow? Jesus, what is the most important and he responded with this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. 
We're to serve God only. And so if I were Satan, if I were the spiritual enemy of God, what would I want to do? What would my plan be? What would be my absolute best plan? And I think it'd be this, to draw the hearts of people away from God and cause them to serve and worship false gods. And when we put false gods in the place of the one true God, that's called idolatry. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want to tell you, you can write this down or you can keep this in your mind, one key thought for today, and it's this. False gods promise what only the true God provides. Now let me give you an example. One false god that we worship today is money. And what is it that money promises? Money promises us security. It promises us happiness. But if you were to walk into the doctor and he were to look at you and to say, I'm sorry, but you have inoperable, incurable cancer, and you have six months to live, there is no amount of money in that moment that could buy you security. If you were to lose one of your children, there is no amount of money that could buy your happiness. You see, money is a false god. It promises a lot, but it can't deliver. So false gods promise what only the true God can deliver. So in Elijah's time, people were serving false gods. And these are the Israelites. These are the people who knew better. And God uses Elijah to confront the people. And it starts with this evil king Ahab. If you were here last week, and if you weren't, I'm going to give you a little recap of what we learned. We, see, we learned that God calls Elijah this man. And he calls him to confront the most evil and wicked king there had ever been. In fact, he was the evilest king of 19, excuse me, he was the 19th, so 18 kings before him. And the scripture actually says that this one man, the 19th king, did more evil in all of the, uh, in the eyes of God than all other 18 kings before him. Ahab was the worst of the worst. And do you want to know what his worst offense was? His absolute worst offense was that he condoned and encouraged the children of God to worship someone other than him, something other than him. And God said, that's enough. I will not tolerate any longer. So he says, Elijah, I have something for you to do. So Elijah goes and he says to this king, he tells him pretty much the worst thing that you could say to any king. Elijah says, Ahab, it will not rain until I pray and ask God for rain. And now we might think, hmm, no rain, that sounds good. We could use some sunshine here in Michigan. But back then, no rain meant death because it meant no food. And it meant not only people would die, but livestock would die and livelihoods would die. It was the worst prediction that you could make. And so Ahab naturally wants to kill Elijah because he doesn't want to say, I'm sorry, I'll turn, I'll change my ways. He just says, Ahab, this, or he says, Ahab says, Elijah, this is all your fault, so I'm going to kill you. So Elijah flees, and God provides for him in two miraculous ways. When Elijah is all alone, he sends him to this Kareth ravine, and we learned last week that Kareth means cutting down or to cut. God was humbling Elijah. God was saying, Elijah, I need to do something in your life so that you are ready to serve me. And so he feeds him with birds. It's incredible. Birds that are good for pooping on your deck, right? Let's be honest. Pooping in your pool and chirping at 5 a.m. every morning in the summer, right? That's all birds are. I'm sorry if you like birds, but to me, that's all birds are good for. Nothing. 
But God sends these birds and they bring Elijah meat and bread. It's like outback coming on wings, right? So God sends us. And then also a drought, there's no water anywhere. But yet Elijah has a brook. And God is teaching Elijah something. He's saying, Elijah, I'm faithful. I'm dependent. You can depend on me. And then when that dries up, when the brook dries up and the birds stop bringing him food, God says, now I want you to go, and I'm going to have someone else provide for you. And God doesn't say, I'm going to have you go to this palace, to this king and this really powerful people. No, Elijah, I want you to go to the most unlikely of people. I'm going to send you to a widow, a woman who at that time had no rights. She was basically property. She couldn't own any property. She couldn't have a job. And if she didn't have a husband, she was worthless in society. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send you to her and she's going to feed you. And God does with a tiny bit of oil and a tiny bit of flour. They eat for months and months and months. And then God allows Elijah to raise her son from the dead. God is saying, Elijah, I am preparing you for something great. The false gods that the Israelites were serving promised rain and good crops and fertility. God sends Elijah to confront the people. And God sends Elijah back. He says, I'm done. I'm ready. You're ready, Elijah. I prepared you. I showed you how I showed up. I showed you how faithful I am. And so he sends Elijah back. This is the new part that we're going to be in 1 Kings today, chapter 18. God sends Elijah to Ahab. And he says this. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? And Elijah says, I've made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. This is, an, this is a king. This is an evil king. And Elijah has such courage. You can see that God had been working in his life because he says, I'm not the troublemaker. You are. It's you and your family, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped images of Baal instead. So Elijah boldly confronts this king. And he says, the king says to him, Elijah, you troublemaker, you low-down, dirty snake, look what you've done. This is all your fault. And Elijah says, let's get something straight here. This is not my fault. This is your fault. You are the one who has sinned against the one true God. And you know, here, Elijah is confronting the belief of polytheism. And see, what polytheism is, is it's a belief that there's multiple gods, in the time in which Ahab lived, they worshipped this god named Baal. He was the god of fire, and they worshipped this god of Asherah because she was the god of fertility. And these gods promised that they would have many children. These gods promised crops. These gods promised all sorts of things that they could not deliver in. Now, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, then what you would claim to believe is that you are monotheistic in your beliefs. And that means that it's one God, one true God. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're just here checking us out, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And I want to tell you this, you get a pass, you get a buy here. But if you call yourself a Jesus follower, what you claim to be is monotheistic in your beliefs. You believe that there's one true God. But though many of us claim to serve one God, 
to be monotheistic. Many of us in our practices are exactly the opposite. We're very polytheistic. We place other gods in front of the one true God. Now, we don't worship Baal. That seems foolishness to us, right? I don't know about you, but I don't think that any of you are going to go home and pop up your garage, and then you're going to have some kind of engraved, carved idol that you're going to bow down to. If you do, then, you know, I want to come see it. But anyways, no, I mean, that sounds foolishness to us. We don't bow down to cement. We don't bow down to wood. But do you worship your money? Do you worship your things, your house, your car, your kids? And that seems kind of absurd, right? How could my kids be a false idol? But if your entire world revolves around your children and every waking hour is spent driving them here and there and here and there and things like eating dinner together with your family or reading the Bible with them are non-existent in your home and you claim to be a Jesus follower, your kids just might be your false god. I want you to be honest. What false gods do you serve? And if I'm honest, and this might sound kind of funny, but hear me out here. You know what my false god is? My false god is my to-do list. Because when I get up in the morning, my first thought typically isn't, oh, God, thank you for another day. My first thought is, I have to do this, 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 this. And it just starts running, and it doesn't stop. And if that were just a to-do list, then maybe it wouldn't be a god. But here's the problem with my to-do list is I look for approval and worth and value in what I do. Because surely, if I accomplish everything on my list, then I look like a really good mom. Surely, if I accomplish everything on my list, then I'm a good wife. Surely, if my house is spotless, when people walk in my door, they will think well of me. And I begin to wonder more about what people think of me than what God thinks of me. And when I get up in the morning and I say, God, I don't, and I don't say this out loud, but my behavior does. God, I don't have time to sit with you this morning. I really don't have time to talk to you. I really don't have time to read my Bible. Don't you know all the things that I have to do, God? You know, right? I'm so busy. Even doing things for him. But you see, when I don't stop and put God first, give him the best of my energy, the first of my money, the first of my time, the first of my thoughts. I have placed something else in place of God, and I ask you, what false gods do you serve? Because they, false gods, promise to deliver something that only God can provide. I will never find worth and value and satisfaction in performance. God says it just won't happen. You will only find your worth and your value in me in my promises, in my truth, God tenderly whispers, daughter, son, put me first. I have your best interests in mind. All right, so let's go back to Elijah. So Elijah the prophet steps into this polytheistic culture, and he does something really, really cool. This is a really cool story. If you've never read this in 1 Kings, I'm going to go through it today. But I would really love if you would go home. I'm going to challenge you to go home and read through 1 Kings chapter 18. So Elijah says this. He says, you know what? We're going to put this to the test here. Ahab, you think that Baal is this God and that he can do oh so much for you? Well, let's 
just see, right? Elijah is really confident. We're going to see how confident he is in a little while. So anyways, he says, let's do this. He says, let's get Baal and all the 450 prophets. I think, let's go two slides. That's my fault. I apologize. I did. Okay, so he says this. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Now Jezebel is the wicked wife of Ahab. Couldn't get worse for Ahab, man, because his wife is even awful. So anyways, you just feel sorry for the man. So Ahab summons all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. And then Elijah stood in front of him and said, how much longer will you waver? Now he's talking to the children of Israel. He says, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? He says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people say nothing. These are the people of Israel who know the promises of God. These are the people of Israel who would have heard the stories of how God parted this Red Sea and how all the people had walked through on dry land. These are the people who would have heard the stories of how God made the sun stand still so the Israelites could defeat their enemies. Elijah is saying, you know better. So quit wavering. Quit going back and forth. If God is God, serve God. But if Baal is God, serve him. Pick a side. Pick a team. And you know, Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Jesus said, look, there is no neutral ground. You are either for me or you're against me. And I know that might seem harsh, especially some of you who are saying, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. I'm not sure about this church thing. You're saying, oh my goodness, somebody just invited me here for lunch and that's why I am here, right? You're going, oh, what does this mean? Well, you get a pass, right? For a little bit, those of you who are not Jesus followers, but I still want you to lean in and just listen because Jesus said there's no neutral ground. We can't waver. We have to pick a side. And Elijah's saying, children of Israel, pick a side. If Baal is your God, then sell out to him. But if God is your God, then serve him only. And I think that if Elijah were standing here before us today, he would say something like this. He'd say, you know what? If money is your God, then go for it. Then do everything that you can do to get it and amass more and more and more of it. You know what? You can cheat at work so that you can get the promotion. Heck, you can even steal. Just do it. Because if money's your God, then the ultimate goal of collecting the most of it is God, then everything is justifiable. You know what I think Elijah would say? If your image is your God, then don't just kind of sort of work on it. Go all out. Don't just go into the gym and get on that treadmill for 30 minutes. No, man, be there for three hours. The tanning booth, show up every other day. Tat it, puff it, tuck it, nip it, whatever you have to do. Walk into Lululemon and buy every single pair of pants on the shelf. Because when you take that Instagram selfie, make sure you look good, girl. Because image is God. Because your image is everything. Sell out to it. If your possessions are your God, then accumulate them. 
Get the fastest and the biggest toys. Get that F-series, man. Don't just get the regular one. Get the one with, like, the rancher style. It used to be Eddie Bauer. I know I'm dating myself. But, like, you had a lot of money. If you had an explorer that was the Eddie Bauer. I see some people nodding your heads. Thank you. You had the Eddie Bauer edition. Man, you were rolling in the cheddar. Yeah, that dated me too. My daughter was probably rolling her eyes in the back. Just, just this is just a total sign, and this is a bonus for you guys. But every once in a while, I like to come ask, you know, young people, like, what can I say that will, my daughter will roll her eyes? <sighs> Cheddar's one of them. Amaze balls. There's all sorts. Listen, I am, a, I am a walking vocabulary of cool words, just so I can make my daughter. And when you have, when you have a 16-year-old daughter, you need to throw that in every once in a while. All right, so let's go back. Sorry. So if you own the Eddie Bauer Explorer. Man, just go for it. Because if your possessions are your God, your house, just do, don't do one room. Do every single room. Go into debt. Everything is justifiable if that's your God. But Elijah said, but if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is your God, then serve him and serve him only. And Elijah says, you know what? It's about to go down because I am about to show you. God is about to show up, and he is going to show you who's real. So let's go to it. So Elijah says, I'm the only prophet left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So it's one against 450. Again, that courage of Elijah. God has prepared him. It is amazing. I love it that he has, that he has the strength to stand up against 450. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces. That sounds a little weird to us, but that would have been normal back then. And lay it on the wood of the altar, but don't set fire to it because they would they would burn this altar and the fragrant offering, it would go up to their God. Then Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, he says, you go first. That's the next slide. For many of you, there's many of you, you go first. You choose the bull you want, prepare it, and then call on the name of your God, but don't set fire to it. Because remember, the God who answers with fire is the real God. This is a showdown here. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they, this is the prophets of Baal, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, oh, Baal, answer us, Baal, Baal, Baal. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced and they hobbled around the altar that they had made. So they're shouting, Baal, 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 for hours and nothing. And nothing. And so then Elijah, we see his confidence come out. And you might want to use another word after this, you read this, but I'm going to say confidence for this morning. It says, about noontime, Elijah begins mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming. What will I have for lunch today? There's Applebee's, Taco Bell, Culver's. Or he's relieving himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip, or he's asleep and needs to be wakened, right? Elijah's saying, hey, guys, he can't hear you. Yell louder. Maybe he's daydreaming. Do God's daydream? Maybe he's taking a nap. He was really tired. You know, gods have to make a lot of decisions. You know, when is it going to rain? When am I going to eat for breakfast? You know, there's a lot of things this God may be thinking about. He might just be daydreaming. He might be taking a nap. He's tired. Or he might be going to the bathroom. As if gods go to the bathroom. One would never know. But Elijah yells to them, you're going to have to yell louder. So they shout louder. 
And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still this, there was no reply, no sound, no response. False gods promise what only the true God can deliver. So Elijah says this, he calls the people, he says, come on over here. And they all crowd around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he digs a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piles wood on the altar. He cuts the bowl into pieces and he lays the pieces on the wood. And then Elijah does something incredible. He stacks the odds against God. Watch this. Then he says, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And they had done this. And he said, do it again. And when they were finished, he says, do it again. Three times they soak the bowl, the wood, the ground, everything. So the water ran off down into the trench. Now, have any of you tried to start a campfire with wet wood? How did that go? Not real well. But Elijah says, I am so confident that my God is the one true God, that even if I stack the odds against him, he will deliver. And watch what happens. It says, at the usual time of the, for the offering, uh, Elijah the prophet walks up to the altar, and now he does something that's in complete stark contrast to what the prophets of Baal. Remember, the prophets of Baal are dancing, and they're shouting, Baal, 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 and they're cutting themselves, and they're dancing around. It said they raved, and they're all frantic. So does Elijah shout? Does he yell? Does he say, oh, God, please, please, please? Elijah just prays a simple, humble prayer. He says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. It's not about me, God. It's not what I've done. Prove, God, that I have done what you have asked me to do. He says, O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. A humble prayer. And then what's, read it out loud. What does it literally say? Immediately. The prophets of Baal have been shouting for hours and hours and hours. Elijah says a simple, humble prayer. And immediately, the fire of the Lord flashes down from heaven. And it burns up the bull the wood, the stones, the dust. It says it even licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And do you know what I see in this passage? I know there's a lot of bulls and crazy people screaming. and I see the goodness of God. I see that God looks down at his children, and he could say, you know what? You know better. You've seen me work. You have the promises. You've heard the stories of how I came through for your fathers. 
you know what? You didn't choose me, so I'm done with you. But that's not our God. That's not the God we serve. Our God looks down at these children and says, they've been led astray. They've been told a lie that everything else will fulfill their longings, their emptiness, their loneliness, their desires. But I know that I'm the only God who can deliver. And I won't say, I've had enough of you, I'm tired of you, forget you. I say, I love you. And I'm going to pursue you with everything that I am. Elijah prayed, oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning and God is saying to you, daughter, son, I am bringing you back to myself. Let me show you that I'm real. Let me show you that I have your best intentions in mind. Let me fill that longing that you're looking to be filled in your false gods. God is so good and he's calling you back to him. He knows that you cannot have a divided heart he knows that you cannot waver and experience joy and peace and lasting satisfaction. He knows that we need security, and he says, you can find it in me. You'll never find it in money. It will always let you down. You could never have enough. You'll never find the approval that you're seeking in Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're looking. You'll never find approval, Melissa Miller, in your performance. You will only find it in me. So I ask you, what false gods do you serve? What have you put in higher priority than God? God.